Good morning, I'm Riley and this is Lifestyle Tucson, a program where I speak with nonprofit groups and organizations, as well as finding out about topics of interest for our community. For the first portion of today's program, I am speaking with... My name is Beth Braun and I am the founder and artistic director of Espinosa Dance Project. Today's episode does include discussion of abuse, which may be uncomfortable for some listeners. It's always great to start at the beginning. So will you share with me who and what the Esperanza Dance Project is and kind of a a brief history of the organization? Sure. So we are a performance project and uh, dance is our main main art form, but we integrate dance and music and narrative into performances that are geared mostly towards youth, Um, our target age is students in high school. And what we do with our performance is we spread awareness and we educate about childhood sexual abuse and sexual violence. And we also, with our performance, we have a very extensive, comprehensive study guide that every student receives that gives them information, statistics, resources. And we also do advocate training. So all of our performers are trained peer advocates. That means is they learn how to talk to their peers, how to listen, how to give. They, they have lists of resources so that they can um, help their peers and other people their age kind of navigate through uh, what it might be to be a survivor of sexual violence. Something I'm kind of curious about is Uh, Why dance? That is such a great question, and most people are really confused by that part. Um, So dance, and this kind of goes a little bit with the background of the project. I am a dancer. I've been dancing since I was five years old. I went to college and graduate school for dance. I also have been teaching probably since I was about 19. I taught while I was uh, in college, and I taught extensively ever since. But I also directed the dance program for 17 years at Rincon and University High School. A little bit of the background, why I even started this project, and which explains about why dance, is that I have a daughter who is 31 and is an amazing, amazing person. When she was 18, she disclosed to a friend that she had been sexually abused her whole life. She couldn't, she didn't even remember when it started. And at that point in her life, she really had spiraled so far down that she she just didn't want to live anymore. And so when I found out and found help for her because at that point that was the the catalyst for a lot of other things she um had been engaging in self-harm and eating disorders and um she had very severe anxiety and depression and couldn't go to school finally she started uh using pretty serious drugs and then like i said she she really didn't want to live and so I found her the professional help she needed. I knew I could not help her with any of that. 
And then I needed to figure out what I was going to be, what I was going to do with all of all of this. And and my initial reaction was to stop teaching and to stop teaching dance. I thought, you know, in in this world with so many people who are suffering, um, I really needed to do something more to help people. And I had really started planning to leave my job. And then um, through a series of interactions with some of my students, I realized that dance was really my means of communication. It was my way of spreading awareness of lots of different issues. And one of my students flat out when she found out I was leaving, she said to me, um, you know what? You save my life every day when I walk into this dance studio. And um, I also, you know, through my own experiences, dance has saved my life numerous times. And so um, the thing about art, being an artist, is we realize how art impacts the world Mm -hmm. and how um, we can really break through walls without people even even knowing that we're doing that. And so um, dance is one thing that because it is movement and it's the, the body, that there is a connection between the performers and the audiences that is like words can't even really justify mm-hmm. um, expressing how deeply that connection can be. And I see that with the teenagers that we perform for. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson. I am speaking with Beth Braun from the Esperanza Dance Project. That was something I was kind of curious about. Uh, what types of reactions do you receive after your performances? I I have been really amazed at how kids react, actually how everybody reacts. And so I'm going to just back up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Our performances are not, we don't reenact anything. We don't tell any one person's story. It is, yes, it is like definitely inspired by my daughter's story for Mm -hmm. sure. So the performance has five dances and there's narrative in between. And so it really, um, it does tell a story in terms of the feelings and emotions that survivors of sexual violence can experience. And then also like some life experiences, like, like the things that I saw my daughter going through and um and at the same time when i when i started to really learn about childhood sexual abuse and my and my daughter and i i'll also say have been very very close her whole entire life and she could not tell me what was happening for a lot of different reasons it's it's really confusing for young children to go through um what she went through being abused by somebody um who was very, very close to her and was a person that really should have been a person in her life who protected her mm-hmm. and not hurt her. And so it's super, con- it's very confusing for young people. And so when I learned about like all of these things that my daughter went through, and then I started looking at my students and other students on our campus, 
I saw so many similarities and, you know, like the students who couldn't look me in the eye when they talked to me, um, who, who I, I was always that teacher that stood outside my room and said good morning to every single, you know, student that walked into my building, whether they were my student or, you know, or, or another teacher's. I saw a lot of youth, like, you know, they would hide in their hoodies. And so I, I didn't know how we were going to reach them. And what I found was that we did, we do, we reach them. And they um, they react really strongly. A lot of them are, are in tears by the end of the performance. Um, a lot of them are just silent. Mm-hmm. A lot of them... Uh, reach out for help. Uh, we make sure that there are always adults in the room, that any student, if they need to leave the performance, they can access those adults, and those adults will, like, go out with them. And those could either be the, the guidance counselors at the school, or um, we always have adult advocates with us at every every. Um, performance, whether mm-hmm. it's in a school or or a community performance, and then we also do a Q and A at the end of our at the end, and that is facilitated by the the performers who are all young, and their ages range from fourteen to um, my oldest. I think is about twenty eight now. What I discovered was we would end the performance and I would come out and say, you know, so does anybody have any questions, comments, anything, you know, and, and no young person is going to stand up and be that person, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. is going to ask the awkward question and and have everybody else looking at them. So when the students come in, we give them a blank index card and a pencil and their their uh, study guide as well. And I always ask them at some point during the during the performance or right after, jot something down. If you have a thought, if you have a question, if you have a comment, jot it down. Please don't put your name on it, and we'll come and collect them. Mm-hmm. And Riley, it was amazing what they would write Mm -hmm. like a lot of thank yous a lot of i thought i was alone in this but now i know i'm not a lot of this um assembly gave me hope that i know that i can get through this like how do i help a friend who doesn't want help so many Mm -hmm. so many really really amazing and profound Things were written on these cards. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson. I'm speaking with Beth Braun from the Esperanza Dance Project. Sometimes it's uh, part of the challenge is just initiating that conversation, that difficult conversation, just finding a way to get the discussion started. So could you take a second to kind of explain to me a bit of the curriculum uh, that Esperanza Dance Project uses? Sure. It is a curriculum that we developed uh, when I first started the project. I collaborated with lots of people in town. Um, I've been here for a long time. I've been dancing professionally and and teaching in lots of different ways. So I, I've met people, you know, just in so many different professional areas here in Tucson. And so 
when I figured out what, or I was figuring out what I wanted to do with this project and how I wanted to do it, I knew that it needed to give information to the youth that we were going to be performing for and to all of the school teachers, staff, and administrators as well. So I reached out to people that I knew in behavioral health in um, education, in counseling, uh, and in other areas in the arts, because I knew I wanted to integrate different arts into this. I brought together a group of professionals in all of those different areas. I'm going to say maybe there were about 12 women who came together to create the curriculum. It starts with definitions of different things related to childhood sexual abuse, mm-hmm. sexual violence, and then it kind of starts at the beginning with the very first dance, and it talks about what the dance is about. Um, it, it talks about the music and why the music was chosen, the costumes, and the costumes are all pedestrian clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted the, the performers to just look like any kid that you would see on a high school campus. It's a really diverse group of, of young people, um, and I really wanted the, uh, the audience to be able to look up on the stage and, and connect with mm-hmm somebody who who they felt like resembled them in some way. So it talks about choreography. It's how the choreography can be used to express what is being expressed in each dance. For example, the first dance is all about the voices that we all have in our heads that sometimes we can't turn off. That might be, you know, like that anxiety that a survivor might feel going to school. And then it goes into this music that is very electronic and very driving, you know, it's, and then the movement also reflects that same feeling. So the, the study guide just kind of continues through the performance. The middle dance is the one that most people remember and most people um, talk about the most. It's to uh, the song Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Um, Johnny Cash also is it, right? So I chose to use the Nine Inch Nails version. I really chose my music so that You know, again, I wanted the youth to be able to connect with it. And the dance is very intense. And that one really, before the dance, the narrative talks about about um, hurting ourselves, and that's probably the darkest dance. Mm-hmm. And there are also journaling questions in each part of the of the curriculum. Um, and the journaling questions are very much about feelings, are very much about, you know, have you ever felt like you couldn't talk to somebody? Have you ever felt like you were in such a dark place? And how did you handle it? And the end of the, the last couple of pages of the curriculum are how to help a friend who might be struggling. Um, and then there's a whole page of resources local resources and national resources as well, like hotline numbers. Definitely have put a lot of thought into building this curriculum, especially in a way that can connect with that teenage youth audience. Kind of building off of that, 
What did Esperanza Dance Project do last year while so many schools were doing like remote learning? Thank you so much for that question. It was a challenge for sure. So we were still we were meeting virtually. Um, I meet with the with the dancers twice a week, and we do a technique class. We also do a lot of conditioning, the choreography. I'm a really physical dancer, and and the choreography is it's very challenging in terms of strength and endurance. So we always work on um, on conditioning as well. So we, as an organization, were continuing to do that. But we knew we weren't going to be able to do any kind of in-person anything. Mm -hmm. So we really focused on getting our message out through social media, through our Facebook page and our Instagram accounts. We always use beautiful pictures of dance, of of the group dancing. We have a, a photographer who's like our photographer named Larry Hanlon. And Larry is an amazing dance photographer. So we have beautiful, like, eye-catching photos that really grab people's attention. And then we would, we would, you know, put hopeful messages. We would put statistics. We would put a lot of our resources, just a lot of the information that we normally get out through our performances. We were really um, amping up our social media presence. And then we also a lot of different community events that were happening online that normally happened in person, like Tucson Take Back the Night. We created a virtual version of one of our dances. So we were really trying keep, to keep our creativity going. You know, it was so hard for young people during, I mean, for all of us mm -hmm. during COVID and during that isolation period that I was, I was really trying to keep the emotional wellness, well-being of my dancers as positive as possible. And, and I'm really proud of, of how much we did during, during that time when we couldn't be together. Started working on a dance film, which was really exciting to get started with. So when the dancers felt comfortable being in the same location, and we did a video and a photo shoot on my property where they could be a part, they all wore masks. I wanted it to really reflect what everybody was going through during COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we're, we're still in the process of putting that together and editing it and creating a soundtrack for it. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson. Before we wrap things up, what are what are some of the plans moving forward for the Esperanza Dance Project? You had mentioned uh, putting together the dance video. Is there anything else kind of on the horizon for you? We have so much planned for this season. So our, we call it our season because we're, we consider ourselves a dance company. Mm -hmm. And this is actually, we're celebrating our 10th season this year, which is amazing to me how we've grown over the past 10 years. Already we have four schools scheduled to do in-person performances. Um, and one of those is uh, Bisbee High School, which I'm really excited. We've never been to Bisbee yet, so I'm really excited about that. The other, the other three are Tucson High Schools. 
We are planning a big 10th anniversary fundraising in-person performance. Um, that's going to be on November 12th at Santa Rita High School. We're working on a partnership with Santa Rita High School right now, which I'm really super excited about. There's an organization up in Phoenix that we started working with during the during COVID called East Place. And East Place is a an organization that serves survivors or victims, actually victims. Most of them are like in the thick of oh. of what mm-hmm. what they're what is happening to them of um domestic violence and so we we worked with them virtually i'm hoping that we can we can start to be in person with them we are uh, reaching out to schools to do uh, offer our peer advocacy program so that we can go in and train their students to be advocates um and the first school that we're going to be doing that with is uh, is also Santa Rita High School. So yeah. many new things. I think a big part is just getting back in person, person and doing those community events. So we do have a website. We're working on getting those there. We just secured our date and location for our November fundraiser. So that'll be out there. Uh, well, Beth, I really appreciate you uh, taking this time to share uh, what the Esperanza Dance Project is and uh, what your mission and vision is moving forward. Before I let you go, what is the best way for people to find out more or donate if they're interested or capable? Where do you direct people? Thank you so much for that question. Um, our website, there's so much information there. There is a donate button right on the website, or our address is also on the website. If um, I know a lot of people don't like to donate through, uh, through the Internet. Mm-hmm. One word, EsperanzaDanceProject.org. And this past spring, we gained... This is amazing. An angel donor um, who who just came to us to move forward with our our vision for Esperanza. We're looking to move outside of of, of Arizona so we can perform for students around the country. Um, we we really need um, funding. We need we need support, and so anybody can reach us on our on our website. That was EsperanzaDanceProject.org. Well, Beth, thank you so very much for taking this time to uh, spread the word about your organization and your project. And uh, yeah, hopefully get to speak to you again in the future. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson. That was Beth Braun, artistic director and founder of the Esperanza Dance Project. Shifting gears for the next portion of today's program, it's Sonoran Restaurant Week through the 19th of this month. So I'm sharing my conversation with Laura Reese about what to expect. Well, Laura, I like to start at the beginning. And since Tucson in Southern Arizona is just a continually growing uh, community, what is Sonoran Restaurant Week? And I'd like to hear a bit of its origin story. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Sonoran Restaurant Week is a 10-day celebration of Southern Arizona dining. Uh, We've got over 50 restaurants participating this year, and each restaurant is providing a special multi-course menu that they're serving during the event, and that's at special discounted $25 and $35 pricing. So the public can go enjoy a favorite restaurant or maybe try something new um, at a discounted rate. So can you just explain to me a bit more of how this works? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they can go to the website, sonoranrestaurantweek.com. There we have a a list of all the different participating restaurants. Uh, You can browse that list, click on one that looks interesting to you. And then when you click on that page, you'll see an example of what their menu is that they're offering for Sonoran Restaurant Week. Uh, So you can see if that sounds good to you. And if it does, add it to your list. And uh, from there, you can kind of go and plan your list and figure out what what restaurant you'll be eating at which day, which friends you might want to meet up with. Um, And we also have a uh, a lot of the restaurants are offering takeout uh, options as well. So if you'd like to pick something up and bring it home, then you're welcome to do that also. So you mentioned there were 50 restaurants. Mm -hmm. What areas, I guess, is it kind of all throughout Tucson? Oh my gosh, it's all over town. Yeah, we've got places as uh, far west as uh, Casino del Sol. And we have places as far east as the new restaurant, uh, the Barnyard, um, which is like on Tango Verde, way, way, way far east. So uh, north, south, no matter where you are in town, I'm sure there is a participating restaurant near you. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson. When was the last time uh, Sonoran Restaurant Week was held? And is there anything mm-hmm. new you're rolling out for the 2021 return? Yeah, so we started our first year was 2019. It was a great year. Um, our second sophomore year was 2020. So we had to make quite a few. Um, we did have it last year, but it was with a few edits. Um, it was pretty much an exclusively takeout event. Um, so this year, we're excited to be safely welcoming people back into restaurants, all the Restaurants are operating with CDC and health department guidelines for dining in. Um, but yeah, I would say a lot of the different things um, that we're seeing is a lot more outdoor patio dining. Um, in the last year, a lot of restaurants have added on um, new patios to their uh, restaurants. And so you there's a lot more outdoor options. Um, and then also one new feature this year is the Sonoran Sip Room. So Restaurant Week, obviously the participating restaurants, great chance to taste what's delicious about Southern Arizona and the sip room is going to be a pop-up bar where you will be able to sip what's delicious about Southern Arizona. Okay, so you said pop-up. So is this, yeah. it'll be in different locations? It'll actually be um, in one location. It's at Hotel Congress, but it is just a limited time bar. It's essentially like a consolidated tasting room. We're going to have wines from Southern Arizona wineries represented. We'll have a lot of different agave spirits represented. So you can go and you can get a flight of uh, mezcals. You can get a flight of local wines. If you want to get a single pour, you can. Um, but it's kind of a cool place to, to sip what's delicious. And we're really encouraging people to do it either before or after they go enjoy a restaurant. That was one thing I was kind of curious about because I was looking at SonoranRestaurantWeek.com because I noticed the Sonoran Sip Room. And then I also uh, noticed there's going to be a a launch party. Yeah. So we are kicking off that Sonoran Sip Room on October. 
October, September 9th um, on a Thursday right before Restaurant Week starts. Um, It's a ticketed event, um, and all of the proceeds uh, for those tickets are being donated to our nonprofit partner this year, which is the San Javier Co-op Farm. Uh, So those tickets give you a sneak peek inside the sip room before it opens to the public. It'll get you some sample tastings of what's available at the sip room, as well as some appetizer food options um, brought to us by the the catering department at the San Javier Farm. Kind of a preview. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And so you mentioned your nonprofit partner, San Javier Co-op Farm. Can you further explain what this partnership means and a little bit of what prompted you to select uh, San Javier Co-op Farm as your nonprofit? Yeah. So um, as your listeners might be aware, Tucson in recent years has been designated um, a city of gastronomy, uh, which has been really exciting. Um, And a lot of what gave us that designation is our heritage and history behind all of the different food and crops that have been cultivated in this region for millennia. Um, And what the San Javier Co-op Farm does, it's a farm on the Tohono O'odham Nation, and their mission is to continue the cultivation of these historic uh, crops. And so uh, it's been great to partner with them because they really represent what makes our region culinary, a culinary destination for sure. There are clearly a lot of moving parts when it comes to organizing an event like Sonoran Restaurant Week. How do you put this together? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I have an incredible team um, that has been responsible with uh, tracking down the restaurants and getting all that information. And then, of course, I can't uh, neglect to mention our incredible sponsors. Um, Visit Tucson is an incredible partner. Without their help, we definitely couldn't put this on. Desert Diamond Casino and, of course, course, Lotus radio stations as well. Before I let you go, Laura, what is the best way for people who are interested in learning more about Sonoran Restaurant Week, how it works, and what participants participating restaurants will be offering www.sonoranrestaurantweek.com everything is there you can see a list of all the participating restaurants you can browse menus and you can even buy tickets to the vip event mm-hmm. and something i'm just uh, kind of curious about uh, for you as the co-founder what are you kind of looking forward to most for 2021 sonoran restaurant week I am looking forward to um, safely meeting up with a friend or two and enjoying the experience of dining out again, um, particularly on patios. I think that we have such beautiful weather here, um, and I definitely have some friends that I haven't been able to see or dine out with in a while. And so the opportunity to safely meet up with a friend and eat outside and enjoy our restaurants and enjoy the conversation, um, I'm really excited about that. And one more thing, are you guys on social media? Yep, you can go to sonoranrestaurantweek.com or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. You've been listening to Lifestyle Tucson. If you are part of a nonprofit group or organization that would like to be featured in an upcoming episode of the program, you can reach out to us by email, publicaffairs at azlotus.com. That is publicaffairs, all one word, at azlotus.com. For more information about Lifestyle Tucson or to listen back to something you may have missed, you can go to the Sunday mornings page at mixfm.com, klpx.com, kfma.com, or espntucson.com.